Just say something. What? Oh. Say something random. Something random. Did you know my last name is a is an Italian grape? Barbera? Asti? You can buy I this. No the idea. wine, this Barbera wine's like everywhere. Um, I'm just a dream sitting at the bottom of the sea. If you want to be a man, stop looking to a woman like me. Nothing's gonna hold you back But you're not the only one with the master plan of attack Yeah, it's a lesson It's a lesson Good? Everything. Let me keep going? Yep. From the top. Okay. Well, welcome to Lafar. Uh, we're here with Joanna Barbera. My name's Mark Goldsmith. I'm AJ Henderson. You have a new record. It's called Forget. That's right. To promote that, you have a lot of what you're calling casingles. That's right. Uh, so each one of these casingles is a casingle off the album, and uh, uh, people can get them right now. Well, I, what I did was is I had um, I had two songs put on a cassette tape. One of them was the single that I had released, and the other one uh, was like an extra bonus. So if you got the single, if you were at a show where I had them because they were limited, I would hand design it for you with lyrics or whatever, and just with this cool sort of gold pen, and it was a black cassette tape. And uh, and then if you were so lucky to have a cassette player like in your old car or something, then you would get the extra song. But otherwise, you had a download to the actual single. So. Oh, okay, so one of them was like a song that's on the record, and another one is a song that's not on the no, record. No, no, they're both on the record, but at that time, mm -hmm. I had just released one single, and it was like, you know, the album still wasn't going to be out for like three months, so it was like, you know, you get a bonus, basically, even though it's an extra song that is on the record. Is there a black market for cassette players, do you know? Um, you know, I'm guessing like anything else that it's going to come back, you know, I mean, I don't know why I don't think the quality is that great, but I think that already I've seen, uh, record players that have, you know, the record player for vinyl CD and also like a cassette thing. So obviously, you know, something's happening. Aren't we forgetting about eight track? Yeah. I don't know if that one's right. I'll be really amazed if that comes back. I think like the hipsters these days, I think they stop at like. I don't know, 79 or something. 79. Uh, the Shins, for their last record, put out a reel-to-reel -reel mm. that you could get. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. want to listen to the new Shins album that way. I can't imagine That's that there are a lot of grandfathers out there who are really into them. Uh, though right. My but I bet there's a lot of audio engineers that would be happy sure, to pop exactly. that on the 7-inch um, player. And right. Now, uh, putting uh, the songs on cassette, did you find that that uh, made it a little more personal? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm thinking that you're asking what the intention of the cassette sort of was, and yeah. the intention of it was, um, well, firstly, the artist who did the artwork is Brian Grunert. He's one of my favorite artists. He lives in uh, Buffalo, New York, and he does a lot of Ani DeFranco's art, uh, her CDs. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but their artwork are usually very um, well thought out, 
textures and papers, everything about it. She's actually won a Grammy, or he had actually won a Grammy for the art. So he's a friend of mine, and he helped me out with this art for this CD. And he had a picture of a cassette tape that he had seen walking down this park in Buffalo that had been driven over like a thousand times, that it literally was cemented. It was into the asphalt. It had been fossilized, essentially. And he's like, I would love to make this your album cover. And we kind of, I was like, all right. And I was a little bit on the fence. You know, a lot of people take pictures of themselves or their face or whatever. But uh, I thought about it. And I had the first song on the record is called uh, Tempt Me. And a line in it is uh, two lines in it are take me to a place, tempt me to forget. And we kind of were just thinking about how we were raised in the age of, you know, cassette tapes and how you can make a mixtape mixtape for somebody and it could be invented and reinvented and you could it could be a love tape and all of a sudden you break up with somebody and then it turns into uh you know a tape that you can re-record over and make a i hate you tape or something so it sort of was like this whole theme that started with that image for the cover into a nostalgic um i icon of inventing and reinventing yourself and the album's called forget because it is about sort of a time that i'm ready to let go of so that was a mouthful, but yeah, hopefully it was interesting. <laughs> Does it have anything to do with the fact that it's actually a physical item? So, you know, the download is, it, it exists, but it only exists on your computer, mm-hmm. on your MP3 player, whatever that may be. But this is actually an item. So even if you never play this, you can put this on your shelf. Exactly. That's exactly what we thought. We're like, it's a it's a piece of art. Like, that's why they were like, I wish I had brought one. I w- they were hand designed and I would literally like pack all the lyrics of the song into one side of it and then on the other side just write like forget or whatever and I think it looks cool if someone had given that to me I would just sort of pop that on my desk and have it be a piece of art you know and and the gold on black looked really rad and that was sort of also the intention of it yeah there's a Vimeo of you making some of those yes that's right and you can you can check that out at Vimeo (laughs) <laughs> it, yeah, under Joanna Barbera, yeah. I guess. Uh, we're looking for we that. It's, it's really neat. We'll, it's we'll, we'll post it. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah. So this is your second album. My second album, yeah. It's Forget. Forget. It's not Forgot. Nope. Not Forgotten. Um, I'm guessing you're not trying to forget your first album? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, although those were hard times, too. <laughs> Why? Uh, my first record, Carnival Beginning... Well, I was living in San Francisco at the time, and I, I, you know, I had thought that I was in love for the first time, and um, and I and simultaneously as that amazing thing was happening, I think about three months into this newfound relationship where I was experiencing love as we talk about it in Hollywood and googly-eyed and you know high on endorphins way, um, my father got sick, and within about six months of that, he had passed away to follow with my relationship not working out and me leaving San Francisco and then moving to Austin to make a record. So a lot of what I uh, wrote about was about that. Um, the new record, he yeah, started... You can't see that. <laughs> it's a little kid. I was just like doing the little kid voice. <laughs> I'm giving a shout out to the kids screaming. Right. Your new album, you started a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. A lot of that I've seen on the internet about you. You pride yourself in uh, this DIY, DIY aesthetic where you book your own shows, you make your own records. Because well, uh, I have to. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, that, that's, that's a great way to do it. Right. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we live in an age where artists are no longer waiting for, like, labels to jump on board. Or sure. How much of this record was uh, helped by people online? 
Uh, most of it, actually. Most of it was. Um, and it was really cool because I think that I'd, I didn't realize I had as many supporters as I did once I had uh, made my goal which is, you know, I think I waited about a year to do Kickstarter because I was terrified. I was terrified of, you know, feeling rejected or like, you know, unloved. Um, but it was really rad. I mean, I had to really push it like every day. And I, and I made it a point to make everybody feel that they were part, because they were, of, of this creation that was so important to me. You know, so I really pushed it as like, we're making a record, we, 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 using that word we, as opposed to help me, you know, and uh, that was, it was really satisfying. I was on the, you know, there's mixed, there's mixed feelings about Kickstarter and asking for money and stuff, but um, I just sent everything out to everyone. I, I gave them everything I promised and, and it just feels like a group victory. So speaking of things that you promised on your Facebook uh, you said uh, you're looking for somebody to manage your merch booth. And if they did that, that you would give them hugs all night. And f- did a you free give CD them and, and a free CD and, uh, um, and free entry, too. Is it weird hugging somebody all night? It depends. I mean, you know, body odor is always an issue. Right. You, do, you never know what you're getting into when yeah, you promise that kind of thing. It's true. It's true. And it's um, not always them. It's after a uh, show, right? Right. I could be really stinky at that point, but sure. I like my own body odor smell. So what were the kind of people that were just like saying, yes, um, for free entry, a CD, and hugs all night, I, I want to do that for you? Oh, you know, I don't... I, basically, I think after I posted that, I just asked my roommate to do it. <laughs> okay. Right. So you didn't actually have to like... Uh, and she agreed. I think I realized that I was maybe pushing it with the hugs all night, <laughs> and I just kind of like caved and asked the roommate... So we're speaking about your first album, and you said that you kind of made that from San Francisco? Yeah, it was written in San Francisco, and it was recorded in Austin. But you're not from either... No, I'm from New York. What part of New York? I'm from the tri-state area, just on the Hudson River, right right over the, the Tappan Sea Bridge. How did you get from that part of the country to the exact opposite side, <laughs> which would be San Francisco, San Francisco, and then end up essentially in the middle? Right. Um... I don't know. I mean, I, I just love to travel. I went to school in Arizona, and and then I spent some time in Hawaii, and I spent some time in London, and then I moved uh, to San Francisco. I mean, I just I just wanted to see, you know, when you're Italian, New Yorker, you know, roots up, grown up uh, in that area, a lot of people don't see a reason to leave. There's a lot of pride, similar to Texan pride, and I wanted to see a different culture besides what I grew up with, and, and uh, I love New York, and it is my blood, but I, I definitely am glad I kind of expanded beyond it. But you didn't automatically come here. You did have that stopover in, in few, San Francisco. Yeah, I had a few stops before I came. You also went to, what was it? Uh, I, you said Arizona? Arizona, ASU. yep, ASU. Yeah, All right, let's call it. I'm assuming that was the first step, going to ASU. Yes, yeah. I left, I left home when I was 19 to go to school out there. When did you start playing? Probably, well, I used to play piano when I was younger, um, but I, I picked up the guitar when I went to s- school because it was just more, you know, available to c- carry around and, like, sit like a little hippie, like, wherever I was and just play <laughs> guitar. Did you make a lot of friends? Did I make a lot of friends? I mean, yeah, we were kind of, I went there with my best friend and we were really, uh, you know, really deep n- New York at that point and we were both, like, 
So when we first showed up, like, and we had never even gone to visit, we just both got into this school and it was somewhat affordable for an out-of-state school. So we were like, let's do it. Let's just see what else is out there. And we were just like, our accents and our attitudes were just as, as thick as they come. But so either people loved us or hated us, you know, they either thought we were really funny or we were really obnoxious. <laughs> and then from there, did you go there, San Francisco? From there, I um, actually shot over to London to be with a boyfriend. That lasted about six months or I was just bartending. From there, I went back to New York. From there, I went out to Hawaii for three months to find myself. Um, I was like living in a tent. It was ridiculous for like three months. In Hawaii? In Hawaii, Maui. Yeah. I. Uh, Sounds great. It was great. It was great. There was Sounds a lot amazing. of... Amazing. Yeah. Um, it was Did you get sunburn? Freeing. No, no, I don't sunburn. I, I tan. Um, <laughs> and um, And then I decided to do the right thing and go back to school. And I went back to school and I got my BA in uh, women's studies. So. Does that inspire a lot of what you write? Um, like, I wouldn't say I, I write feministically, if that's a word. Uh, however, I do think that there's an element of strength that comes from uh, being familiar with a part of history that is not always the most obvious or taught, and also um, being inspired by many strong women um, that I probably would not have known had I not studied that in college. So, give me your quick five she rose. Five? Yeah, give me your, or, give me two. Give me two she rose. <laughs> I'm like that's like asking your favorite song. You know what I mean? That's like you don't have a favorite song. I, like to pick one? No, that's that's why five. That's okay. Who can you think of right now? <laughs> why don't you crack me a beer and I'll answer that in five minutes? Yeah, All right. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, when you when you're starting your Kickstarter, you had like this very good video where it was a very intimate performance of you by yourself uh, doing a song called Uncomfortable. Or no 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 I'm sorry I'm getting I'm getting yeah, my songs no confused. No, uh, you put out a home demo of the song "Uncomfortable" like right. on uh, SoundCloud, and I thought that sounded really cool. Um, and also the one that you put on your Kickstarter. No mistake. Yeah, that's the one I did on Kickstarter where I'm playing by myself, and then yeah. it fades out um, into the studio recording of it to show people what it's is you know the record coming into fruition. We'll be happy to play No Mistake. Your Kickstarter was, was No Mistake, the successful song that really pushed it over the top? Um, I mean, I, they only got like a small taste of it. I think I think what pushed it over the top was that I hadn't made a record in like three years and I had been active in town a lot playing and everyone, you know, that knew me growing up um, and people in town, I think, respect the fact that I've just been really following this, you know, dream for now, what? eight years, almost 10 years, you know, and I think that they just really wanted to hear more of where I was coming from. Like my record Carnival Beginning was such a, it was a chapter. I mean, this album sounds nothing like it. The thread is like, I guess the DNA of the art is in there, but it's just two completely different things, creatures. They're totally different. I mean, Carnival Beginnings acoustic. It's me and my acoustic guitar. It's kind of folky Americana. This is like all electric guitars, big gnarly amps. You know, I'm playing all the instruments except for drums and bass. And so it really is this like stepping stone of of time, you know, and and blood and sweat and love and tears. And and I think that I've always kept it without tooting my own horn. I've always kept it really real. And I think that that was something that you know people respect and I think that 
if you're looking for fame and stuff, then you'll probably go for this really hip sound that's happening. And I, I just can never bring myself to do that. But the cool thing about that is I may not be as famous as these fans coming in and, you know, making this huge splash, but I do feel like the fans that do support me are like genuinely there with me. Like, uh, and, and I think that that's, that was the Kickstarter folks that, that backed it up. The ones that really are, really are supportive and really into it. So when you go on your European tour, is it going to be Kickstarter supported? Uh, we've considered doing Kickstarter for touring. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like just like have them, uh, yeah. I mean, that'd be great to have fans fund, fund the, uh, the tour. I actually had my song, like I fa- I looked on YouTube and I had this song Maya from Carnival Beginning. It had gotten like 3000 hits, this one picture of me and the song Maya playing. And I had to do some research to find that some girl in Poland, like finally wrote me a email saying that my song was played every day during this like really famous Polish soap opera. <laughs> um, that's like their version of like 90210, you know, when we were growing up. So um, yeah, so that was interesting. So I was like, I guess I'll play Poland. <laughs> so get Poland on the map. Never really wanted to go to Poland, but I you mean. You should uh, email that show and say like, hey, I'd love to do a performance on it. Like in the background, just be like, because 90210 used to have like all these bands that played at the Peach Pit. Oh, the yeah. Flaming Lips <laughs> were one of them at some point. You should just try to say like, hey, you've played yes. my song a lot. Um, I would like to be entangled in the drama going on with these teens in Poland. That's a great idea. I, I, that's a fabulous. I think I'm going to call my agent. <laughs> call my agent. Get on that. Tara, would you get on the horn with my agent, please? Yeah. And uh, also get somebody that speaks Polish. <laughs> get, get me on Poland 90210. There's one thing that we haven't talked about. We just basically touched on touring with Kickstarter. What about between album number one, album number two. I'm assuming that you did at least one show outside of Austin. Oh, I've, I've played over 100 shows outside of Austin. I've done a lot of booking for myself, and I've gone um, around the States probably like five times by myself. I, w- I went on one tour with Hamill on Trial. He's a Righteous Babe Records artist, and then the rest of them I did by myself. But yeah, I played a bunch of shows. Not Europe yet, though. Yet? Yeah. What kind of venues did you play? I did some house shows. I did some bars that were full and some bars that were empty. I've been lucky enough to share the stage with Melissa Farrick. She is an amazing songstress, and uh, I, I opened up for her during Pride Week in Buffalo. Um, I played for 2,000 people three years ago, and I played for two people like last week, you know, kind of thing. Like it Just, just give everyone the same performance. Yeah, I mean, just give whatever wants to come through that night, no matter what. Don't get in your own way, kind of thing. Now, does that affect your set choices for the songs that you play? Yeah, I'd probably be like more inclined to do a set that's set already than if I had two people. I may like just, you know, detour a little bit. Throughout the rules. Just yeah, go for it. throw them out. <laughs> I mean, I I change stuff up all the time though. Even if I'm playing with a band, I mean, you know, you just every show is different. The energy coming from each crowd is always different, and um, depending on what city you play, you kind of cater to what you think they'll be receptive to. You know, something in San Francisco probably won't be as understood as if you are playing in like Arkansas. You know, and you know, if you play in New York, I just I try to like just really. Um, especially if I'm familiar with the place, I try to just tap into what the energy of that place is because it just 
different songs do different things for different people and there's just certain things that you would play for some cities and uh, as far as i'm concerned and uh certain things you would not play does that make it onto the record at all one thing that i did with this record called forget is that i decided that i started coming to the to peace with the fact that i think i have like quite a few personalities without sounding like i have a disorder (laughs) i just feel like i have different personalities i think for so long i was trying to squish myself into a box and oh I write this way or I write that way or whatever and then finally I started just embracing like okay well this girl you know grabs her electric guitar and like rocks and this girl's like a little bit more softer and and this one's you know whatever and I and I kind of just allowed them all to like join and the common thread was that you know we did use this electric guitar and all the songs and stuff like that and there's there's still this common thread but there's a few different personalities on the record um and I think that that that's what makes it real. You know, it, it's some of it's angry, some of it's sweet, some of it's sad. I mean, it's just it's just this gamut of like our multifaceted beings we are. You know, I don't know. I uh, yeah. So I do. I do think that this this has a freshness that you get when you see someone live. Let's get to some of that music. Mm-hmm. Let's get to some of that music. I'm gonna have the tune and stuff. Um, no problem. Right, let's do tempt me first. You're cute and knock me till I fall Take me to a place, damn me to forget There are still parts of me you haven't damaged yet Help me to pretend we never happened Ooh, 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 ooh And when I do it over, I'll do it with grace You 
would say a lot of things but never to my face sing to me with breath sing to me sing to me So the song's called No Mistake. There you go. You, you're like a dream. I live inside a time where gravity defeats me. I was weeping in my dark room. Could you hear me when they were coming to only leave me? See, I'm too much that I ruined everything and I'll never be enough. So tonight I lie awake. Oh, sister, hold me tight cause I don't want to fake it. She says, oh, you're no mistake. You're just a product of some miscommunication in your love. And life's a stake. If you don't give it up, then nobody can take it away. They can't take it away. But I've been outside I'm full of damaged goods And there's nowhere left to hide it When I'm sleeping I am so brave I fly beyond the sky And I don't need you to save me Now I'm breathing Into your light I couldn't see it before I guess the timing wasn't right She says, oh Just the product of some miscommunication in your love And life's a stake If you don't give it up Then nobody can take it away And no mistake Won't be the product of your self-determination And so yeah, you're afraid Well, just don't give it up Then nobody can take it away Oh, 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 yeah. 
So this is going down off Carnival Beginning. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of La Fire, co-hosted by AJ Henderson, Mark Goldsmith, and produced by Sarah Herndon. You can find us on the web at www.lafire.com, as well as Facebook forward slash LaFire. Thanks for listening. See you next time. You guys want me to like play a song or something? We will. Uh, we're gonna we will get that. to that. Okay. That's <laughs> not yet. What else do you want to know? I'm wearing blue underwear. Just kidding. <laughs>